Um, it is a real privilege to be sharing with you and speaking with you this morning on what is quite a big day in our church family with our church meeting that's coming up. And some may say that the theme that we're looking at today, which is often entitled Taming the Tongue, is an interesting topic to speak into before a church meeting. I can promise you it wasn't planned that way. Um, and I actually don't think it's a coincidence. I do really think that God uh, wants to speak to us this morning, has already, Holy Spirit is here with us and has been with us in our worship and is going to continue to be in our gathering and in our church meeting later. And as Andy said, we're continuing in the book of James today. Um, and as has already been said, because of all the different things that go on in the life of our church, so after our church meeting, we've got soul food, and then we've got the first of our five five events, which is where CAP and um, soul food and other uh, care ministries are coming together and providing a mind, body, and soul event. Um, this talk may be a little bit shorter than normal because we want to spend time being able to respond and worship together afterwards. Um, but for those of you that haven't been with us, just to bring you up to speed, we have been in the book of James, and the themes that we have been looking at and wrestling with so far are perseverance, humility, and prayer. So bear with me as I try to draw out some things for us to mull over today. Uh, there is an invitation once again today to apply these words of Scripture to our lives. And these are some meaty words today. It's a rich passage that we're going to be looking at from James 3, verse 1 to 12. Uh, but the invite is to think about living lives of wholeness. And I truly believe that actually as we do that, we grow as family together. And in our communities, things could be and will be more radical. Now, according to Tim Mackey, who has headed up the Bible Project, this is what he says about the book of James. The book of James is a beautifully crafted punch in the gut for all of those who want to follow Jesus. So my question is, are you ready for one of those punches today? So, let's open God's word together. James 3, starting at verse 1 through to verse 12. It should come up on the screen behind me, or you can follow on your own devices or physical Bible. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should, should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to look at it together. Holy Spirit, speak to us in our hearts and minds today. Amen. Let me start by telling you a little story. And if you're squeamish, well, I apologize. Some of you may know that I have an older sister. She's nearly five years older than me. And she loved nothing more than being a bit like a second mum to me when I was a baby and a toddler. And so on this particular day, she was carrying me, I was only three at the time, to the sink for me to wash my hands. And knowing me, I was probably trying to break free and resist that. Any of you that have got toddlers will be very familiar with that. And what happened was, is that as she got to the sink, she accidentally dropped me. And my chin went smack on the sink. Get ready for it. My teeth went all the way through my tongue. Now I can see the squeamish ones of you there. Um, there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of tears. Uh, there was screaming. My tongue became very bulbous shaped immediately. She was crying. My mum was giving me ice lollies and salt and vinegar crisps to try and stop the bleeding. She was a nurse. So um, why do I tell you that story? Well, because the tongue is a very small part of our bodies but has a huge impact for me, I then couldn't talk, uh, and if anybody knows me, I've always got quite a lot of words, and I didn't get the nickname as a child of the noisy generator because I was quiet. How important is the tongue? Well, a few little biological facts for you. It's made up of eight muscles. It's a bit like a fingerprint. It has an individual print, so everybody else, everybody individually has their own unique tongue print. It's got between 3,000 and 10,000 taste buds, and it can actually tell you an awful lot about your health. But when it comes to how we use it and the words that we speak, they have tremendous power for connection. They can encourage, they can bring healing, they can bring edification. Our words can change a person's day, can change their lives. And yes, our words can also bring someone down, destroy someone's self-worth and have a lasting negative impact. And I bet if I asked you right now to think of a time where somebody has said a word of encouragement to you, hopefully you could think of something. But if I asked you to think of a time when somebody has said a truly hurtful word to you, even if you've processed that pain, even if you've forgiven that person, Maybe that memory of what those words were are more vivid because it's not easily forgotten. We see the significance of the tongue right at the start of the Bible in Genesis 1 verse 3 when God spoke creation into being. And then just a few chapters later, we see the outworking of sin first appearing in the abuse of speech, in Genesis 3.12, when the man said, 
The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. However, the first act in the new creation was the renewal of the power of speech, a tongue that declared the wonderful works of God in Acts 2, 11. The tongue is powerful. It's significant. And as Alec Moitier in his commentary says, maybe this is what James wants us to learn. Would this not be a marvelous display of the glory of Jesus in our lives if our tongues were as his? John 7 verse 46 reminds us that no man ever spoke like Jesus. So just imagine for a moment... What if we had a greater appreciation of the significance of our tongue, the impact that it had? What if the words that came from it were always like Jesus? The imagery that is used in verse six, five and six of this passage help um, to really demonstrate the significance of the power of the tongue. And on these takeaway cards that are on your seat, and they, for you, they are for you to take away, put in your fridge, put in your Bibles, the key verse for us today is verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And then verse 6 goes on. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. I told you, these are punchy words in the book of James. James is wanting us to grasp the significance of this. And actually, in our modern translations, verse 6, I don't think we fully grasp the magnitude of it. The translation of the Greek word cosmos in verse 6 is world. But actually, more literally, it means sinful world system. What's being said is that the tongue contains and conveys all the world systems of wickedness. To unpack that a little bit more, Hughes in his commentary says that actually an uncontrolled tongue can bring such catastrophic destruction. Think of Hitler. Think of Putin right now. And Hughes reckons that about nine-tenths of the flames we experience in our lives come from the tongue. Therefore, we can't ignore it. We can't be flippant about the power that we have. And it's something to be aware of, but not to fear. Because what can often happen is we then live in fear of it. And we may be, particularly in today's culture, think, I'm just not going to say anything at all. I'll just stay silent. And that can be our response. But that's not the example of Jesus. That's not the example of Jesus. He was not silent. Jesus spoke out truth. He spoke up for injustice. But he always did it through kindness, compassion, love, and grace. So the first thing for us to remember today is because of the significant power of the tongue, we need to be cautious in how we use it. Now, if we're honest about it, sometimes we can find it hard to control our tongue. Or am I the only one? <laughs> we see all the time through society, and maybe right now, because of the fact that we live uh, with social media being so prevalent, we see all the time one word 
that's said, and then somebody might regret it. We see in politics, particularly recently, one word that's spoken, and it can lead to the downfall and destruction of somebody's career, their marriage, their family. I'm not here to get into a political debate, but James is speaking into this stuff. As I've already mentioned from verse 5 and 6, and the devastation that can be caused from the spark leading to a forest fire, it's that reminder that words can be harmful and hurtful and damaging. And so often, as we read in this passage and other parts of Scripture, the words that come from our lips often reflect what is actually in our hearts. Matthew 12, 34 highlights this by saying, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. All too often, if there is hurt and pain and frustration in our hearts, then the words that come from us can be for revenge or for humiliation or for destruction. And maybe initially it makes us feel better, but in the long run, it doesn't. And let's not forget how this passage actually started in verse 1. You know, James starts with a slightly somber tone, and he is saying to teachers in particular, which is always great to read when you're then going to be teaching on something, be careful. He is saying, be careful. And he goes on to unpack this and develop the theme with this imagery that we're speaking about today, the powerful explanation of the fact that an uncontrolled tongue is dangerous. So if the tongue is small, but incredibly mighty, if it reflects what is going on in our hearts and can cause destruction and devastation, then how can it be controlled? Well, verse 3 and 4 give us really helpful images in this. They show that the small things can determine the way that an object can go. When we're referring to the horse's bit, and the ship's rudder. I don't know about you, maybe you know more about horses than I do. I don't really know very much. I do know that they are incredibly powerful animals. If you give 550 pounds in weight, for example, to a horse, you'll see them sprint off no problem. If you give that same weight to an Olympic weightlifter, you'd probably see them at least break into a bit of a sweat. But if you put a bit in a horse's mouth, the trainer, the rider, can then lead that horse in a particular way to dance or do whatever it is you want to do. And I say that because I remember going to visit the Liberton Volters community and Liz Beach, who is a slight petite woman, controlling this absolutely ginormous horse. When you stop and think about it, it is incredible. Or what about a mighty ship? And you should see a picture of that coming up on the screen. Its rudder may be small, but it directs the path that that mighty ship will take to get to the destination. The same is true in our lives. Jesus wants to lead us and guide us as we're cautious with our tongue and as we're controlling our tongue. But sadly, we probably all know have experienced ourselves or seen when an uncontrolled tongue can spoil a precious relationship. 
when it can break a promise or inflict pain. But when our words are like Jesus, controlled and cautious, what can come from that is just a truly incredible picture of the work of God in and through us. Is that not what James, the leader, the peacemaker, the pillar as he's often referred to, isn't that what he is saying in these verses and trying to convey with such wisdom and power? And as followers of Jesus, disciples who want to go deeper, get to know him more, grow more, And doing that together, not just individually, but together as church family, then we need to recognize that our words, they have such power. So we need to be cautious with our tongue and we need to control it. So if we're doing those things, how do we actually then use our tongue and our voices and our words? Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As the verse in Colossians highlights always and everyone, it means that we need to be consistent. We can't be saying one thing here and then another thing there. We can't be here on a Sunday talking so lovely to people, and then when we're in the office, bad-mouthing and gossiping. And a helpful acronym that some of you have maybe heard before is to speak, think. T-H-I-N-K. So that when we speak, our words are T, true. H, helpful. I, inspiring. N, necessary. And K, kind. This is what it is to be like Jesus and how to use our voices today with everyone and in all the spaces and places that God calls us. Words that speak, T-H-I-N-K. I I can still do that even though constantly I've got phonics in my head with my children. It brings us to closer lives of consistency and wholeness together. But it's not always easy. And we will, and probably already have done, we will face opposition. And actually, I think, not to put a dampener on things, but society and the world that we're in, it's only going to get harder. And James knows from his own experience that actually it's through trials that endurance comes. And this can, if we allow Holy Spirit to do work in us, enable us to be people of wholeness and integrity. We are all fractured people. We will get it wrong. And I find it such a relief that the perfect God who never got it wrong and never gets it wrong wants to use me and wants to use you who continue to get it wrong. His grace is sufficient. God's mission is to continue to restore us through Jesus And as we look at these words of scripture for today, and not just listen to them, but apply them to our lives, then we do make our whole lives, our words included, 
like Jesus, for Jesus, and all about Jesus. And maybe that means that when we're at school, we won't gossip like the friends that we have there. Maybe when we're at work, if we're having to bring challenge to a colleague, we don't do it as harshly as we may see others do. Maybe when we disagree with someone, which we will do, our words shouldn't belittle them. But through grace and love and kindness, we listen respectfully and passionately then share our alternative views. As I've already said, our takeaway verse for today is from James 5, James 3 verse 5, sorry. So what if we were cautious, controlled, consistent with our tongue? Could it not mean that actually those sparks could be positive sparks that set things ablaze and bring transformation into our world, into our city, into our communities, and in the spaces and places that God has called us to be right now? Of course, these words might not always be received. Of course, there may be difficulties. But that doesn't mean we give up, even if we feel like we're the only ones. Surely with a kingdom perspective, and as disciples, our motivation is continue to be like Jesus, for Jesus, and all about Jesus. The thing is, it's a high standard isn't it? It's a high standard as followers of Jesus. But what would it look like if our words from the Houses of Parliament all the way through to the playground were different? I'm going to encourage you to stand with me and the band's going to come up and we're going to respond to these words that we've heard together today. Because of the consistent, because of the significant power of the tongue, we need to be cautious, we need to control it, and we need to be consistent. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. You know what's in our hearts and in our minds. We give it to you. As we sing this song together, would we respond to your prompting, Holy Spirit? Maybe about how we're using our own words. Maybe about those that we've heard. Maybe about those that we still carry. But would we continue to be people who want to be like you, for you, and all about you? Amen.